In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. You can't stay quiet any longer. You're angry about what's happening to our country. Our country is being destroyed before your very eyes. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. The journey ahead of us will not be easy. Anyone who truly seeks to take on this rigged and corrupt system will be faced with a storm of fire that only a few could understand. We will be resisted by the combined forces of the establishment, the media, the special interests, the globalists, the Marxist radicals, the woke corporations, the weaponized power of the federal government, the colossal political machines, the tidal wave of dark money and the most dangerous domestic censorship system ever created. We will be attacked, we will be slandered, we will be persecuted just as I have been. I mean, I have been, but many people in this room have been. But we will not be intimidated. We will persevere, we will stand tall in the storm, we will march forward into the torrent, and we, in the end, will win. Our country will win, we will win. But we need everyone involved. We need everyone's help. We need to look out for one another. We need to be friends. And we need every patriot on board. This is a quest to save our country. Talking about saving our country. If our movement remains united and confident, then we will shatter the forces of tyranny and we will unleash the glories of liberty for ourselves and for our children and for generations yet to come. America's golden age is just ahead. And together, we will make America powerful again. Wealthy again. Strong again. Proud again. Safe again. Glorious again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Thank you.
show of force is a peaceful deterrent. Who could possibly benefit? Let the world ask that question. That might work on Steve Bannon's podcast, but that's not going to work in the Rules Committee of the United States House of Representatives. I'm sorry, Mr. Gates. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We're not going to sit here and take this. Now we're going to go back and prove every day just to drip, 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 drip on Biden. And we know the laptop from hell. Hey, Mayor Garland, I'm the guy put that there. And you sat there and you guys lied about it. I want to say God bless you, Steve. And you're doing a great job. And the good Lord is going to prevail in this situation. The good Lord is going to prevail in this situation. That is our prayer that the good Lord, God Almighty, will intervene, will prevail in this situation with so many, so, so much hypocrisy, so much evil uh, being spread that is being pushed against, uh, you know, our Judeo-Christian values and just uh, just good, honest people um, in general, whether they are uh, Christian or not, our, our constitutional right are being trampled upon. They had... Um, they had uh, uh, not Kamala Harris, but uh, they they had AOC when Trump was on the presidency. She was all at the border crying because people were standing out there. Oh, she was faking it now because they they showed later videos all around her. There was no people on the other side of that fence, but they went there for a photo op. And she pretends to be crying because people out there are waiting at the border because President Trump, mean old Trump, wouldn't let them in when they weren't overwhelming the border. They weren't down there like that. Uh, we know now that on January, on J6, we know now in this document that they, they that, uh, uh, that they did not want uh, an overwhelming show of strength there. Nancy Pelosi was in charge of of the Capitol Police of making sure they had enough people there. There was requests that was made, and she denied it for them to bring more Capitol Capitol Police there with reinforcement. In December, late December, uh, the mayor of Mayor Bowser of uh, Washington, D.C. requested uh, troops uh, or support uh, from the federal government. President Trump granted that support several days before January 6th. He granted that support. And before January 6th, several days before that, she uh, she uh, denounced it in a letter that was out there and said she didn't want it. She didn't want the optics of it. Now, this is the same Mayor Bowser that in 20 early on in 2020, she uh, back in the summer of the riots and all of that, the summer of love when there were troops that were stationed there in with in hotels in case she uh requested for their assistance she kicked those troops out into the streets 
in, into the streets. They they literally they were in hotels waiting to be called upon. And she made a declaration that they had to uh, get out of the hotels. And they went and stayed in base in a, in garage uh, parking decks for several weeks. This is what happened. And so when it came down for them, uh, them uh, being ready to go there to the Capitol, they couldn't. They weren't there to go there to the Capitol because they had done made them go and sleep in the garage decks. This is the type of stuff that, that, that the hypocrisy is overwhelming. You're watching and welcome, 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 patriots, saints, friends, and family to the Apostolic Conservative Show. I am your host, Will Jones, and I'm mighty glad to have you with us on today as we are entering into episode uh, 455. Evil on every hand, but in the end, God wins. We're looking for the author and the finisher of our faith to show up strong on our behalf. We believe he will. He's able and well capable. God bless you guys. uh, Please share. Please like. Help us get around the algorithms that Big Tech uses uh, to suppress our voice. And we appreciate uh, all that you do in the Apostolic Conservative Show. just okay we was just quiet sitting back we was excited then when they start messing with no other choice but to step up Lindell, inventor of my pillow. Just like you, I had problems sleeping. I tried every pillow out there and nothing worked. Ten years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual regardless of your sleep position. I also wanted a pillow that would last, so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I backed my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. My pillow lets you adjust it to your exact individual needs regardless of sleep position and stays that way all night long so you get the best sleep of your life. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. And uh, soon to have a happy New Year's. Save up to 80% uh, when you use promo code APCOSHOW. A-P-C-O SHOW. When you purchase your MyPillow. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Patriot Saints, friends and family. I'm telling you, you know, 
when it comes down to, you know, just thinking about uh, the shenanigans that they pull, the charades that they pull, uh, the unselect committee, unselect committee knew that they have no grounds, uh, no uh, regulation to uh, to arrest uh, President Trump or anything like that. Um, we got we're having stuff that it lasts uh, 40, uh, 70 some years that's just getting exposed uh, that had other people in government hand in it. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but they, they seem to, to break all precedents uh, with him. And then anytime we go to go against uh, presidents um, or in, in, encourage someone to go again and, and break presidents or, like uh, uh, VP, uh, former VP, if you will, having the opportunity to do something never been done before and nothing written in the books to stop them. Uh, people are saying that uh, that uh, Pence, uh, they want we wanted him to break the law to one man to rule over election. No, it wasn't that. It was the the way it was set up. It was set up for one man to be able to stop tyranny if everybody else don't sold out. And that's why there there are checks in everything in every aspect of that, uh, of the government. I mean, we have uh, when Congress passes a bill, they can send it to the White House. And that one man, that president, can uh, veto the bill. Now, it had to be an overwhelming veto, but they can do that. But the opportunity for him to do something that was unprecedented, he could have sent the, and all was being requested is that he would send the, uh, the, the uh, electorals back to the states, which many of them were requesting for them, uh, and so that things could be checked out, things could be looked over again because they had found fraudulent activities that had took place. And people say, oh, there wasn't no fraudulent activities. Well, there's there's not been any any uh, 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 judge on the, in the highest court of the land to even see it. But hold on now. We got the Brunson case that's coming up now. It ain't. It, now, Brunson case isn't about overthrowing the election because of the, the corrupt ballots or, you know, uh, or anything, fraudulent ballots and all of this. With the Brunson brothers, and you can go watch last night episode, or if you're on podcast, uh, it should be up. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come up, but we, we uploaded it on podcast. So, you should be able to see it either um, today uh, or tomorrow. I know once we uploaded it, we had two episodes that uh, or we split last night into two different episodes because it was so long. We had did about an hour to show and then uh, it was time uh, for the for them to air the video or uh, inviting us in to watch the video of uh, Lloyd Bronson and uh, uh, Juan, uh, uh, I think Juan Savin, I think that's his name, uh, and a host of other uh, people on uh, the Bo the uh, Bronson Brothers team to uh, uh, 
talk about strategies and what what we're looking at, what what they're about to do. And so we're excited because, you know, on January 6th, uh, the judges in the highest court of the land will uh, be looking at that and uh, will be making, you know, either making a decision to bring, uh, allow them to show evidence before them. And and what that is about is about them uh, uh, showing that Congress, v, the 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 Congress was derelict in their duties uh, by not uh, uh, looking into uh, what was going on, where the people were crying out. I mean, just think about it. About two million people descended on the capital of the United States saying don't steal our election we find out that when we we uh we the the video was 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 released earlier this week or last week i'm sorry in into the weekend from uh uh miss ruby freeman we covered that exhaustively a couple of days ago how she was ready to confess. She was confessing on video, talking about it and telling them about the fraud uh, that was going on with uh, even it confessing what she did in it. And it's on video. It's on body cam uh, by the police. And, you know, they never made it to court. But this is just, you know, things are just slowly unraveling. Hopefully uh, this has made it higher than anything else uh, with the Brunson brothers made it higher uh, in court than any of the others. I mean, they didn't even uh, want to see anything. They told they said everything was no standing. And here we are. Right here on the precipice uh, of them getting the opportunity in there, but. I'm telling you, there's so much, so much evil going on uh, that I tell you, we we just got to stay prayed up. When you look at how many people are involved with so many evil things. Now, uh, the Tate brothers were arrested uh, a couple of nights ago, and it's supposed to have been for child, um, uh, uh, child or human sex trafficking, one of the two charges. Well, it's it just so happened, and it's funny that um, they earlier and and we reported on it. We played the videos. I didn't have enough time to go back and and look it up. I didn't know who they was. To be honest, I didn't know who we was when when they were talking about them getting arrested last night. Um, and I didn't get a chance. I, it just didn't click on me. I didn't recognize by the them him having a hood on and all that and them walking out there. And I just really didn't look into it as much. But then when I I started watching um, today earlier today, uh, and we know. I recognize who it was because they played a video that we played earlier this, uh, maybe like two months ago when Balenciaga and that saga was unfolding and they were getting exposed. 
and I, we played it here on the show, but it didn't have a name of who they were on there. And I shared uh, the source link. So I just didn't know who they were when the talk came out. But in the video that we played, I knew that they were, they were some kind of high profile individuals, but they were talking about, um, uh, they were talking about the, the, wit, the, um, the Satanists, um, uh, in Hollywood and in these, uh, companies like Balenciaga, Balenciaga, they were talking about all of this on there and they was talking about Pizzagate, this stuff right here, all of that right there. And then all of a sudden now look at here. Now they, they get arrested. And from the reports is that right before they arrested him, he was talking about them again with Pizzagate and, and had a pizza delivered right there to his, uh, his desk. And I saw the, the video of it. Um, I just didn't see, uh, I didn't get to hear it or whatever, the way they played it and stuff. But it's funny that here we are. Gislin Maxwell been sentenced and got time and all of this back months ago, almost a year now. And we still don't have the list from all of those people that were involved in that. But here they are going after somebody who was in a tit tat battle, uh, with, uh, was that uh girl Thunberg, the, uh, the global climate, uh, girl, Ingrid Thun Thunberg, whatever her name is, the young, the little kid. Well, they were going back and forward on, on social media and both of them got upticks uh, from attacking each other because there's reports that when you get in a battle with somebody on social media, it tends to spike your viewership. And some people were thinking maybe they were doing, you know, doing that to spike each other, uh, you know, viewership. Now, the, the one thing I have seen is that a lot of people talking about uh uh, Andrew Tate with his male chauvinistic ways and um, his uh, what how I forgot the terminology they put it, uh, but and they talked about his uh, masculinity. Um, this this bad all of a sudden is 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 bad to have the show masculinity. But he and I, I granted as a Judeo Christian, I do not agree. Uh, with the way that he was showing his ma masculinity, you know, and his flexing and all of these different things right here and his portrayal with women and all of this right there. I don't agree with the, the sexuality and all that and none of that right there. I'm not advocating that. But what I am saying is that he was bringing this out about these pedos in Hollywood and these satanistic people uh not even a month ago maybe it was a month ago but but we played the video of him and his brother talking about it and and throwing them under the bus and now all of a sudden out of nowhere they come get him but this this you know this has happened to them before where they got swatted and there's a lot of patriots that are getting swatted uh, you never hear about radical lefts getting swatted, you know, where people make a call on them and then they send the police to swat them and it, there was nothing happening. They lied. You know, we had it with uh, 
Marjorie Green Taylor here in Georgia, two representatives in Georgia, Marjorie Green Taylor, they swatted her. They said that her husband had done shot one of the kids and that he was threatening to kill everybody in the house. But they wanted her, wanted the, the police to raid her house and for her to not, maybe wake up early in the morning, not realizing it's the police and then get in a, a shootout with the police and get murdered. This is how wicked these people are. And then they call from alternative phone numbers. Well, she wasn't the only one. Candace Taylor Green later on was swatted uh, her own self where they went and raided her house late at night uh, and uh, said that she was going off shooting up the, uh, the house and everybody in there and stuff, you know, just wickedness. But let me not forget who else did they swat. They swatted none other than Steve Bannon while while he was live doing a show earlier this year. Uh or earlier, I mean a few months before that. This is the wicked stuff that they do. But here he is, uh Andrew Tate uh on the show, and I'm not advocating his flamboyant lifestyle or anything like that and the 33 uh, fancy calls he got. And so news accounts in the United States say that the U.S. Embassy in Bucharest, Romania, was tipped off to your misdeeds and alerted the local authorities you might be committing human trafficking. Um, Given that this is the same charge they leveled against Julian Assange or a species of it, you know, skeptical, but I, I want to know the details. Were you arrested for human trafficking? What, what happened? Yeah, I was not arrested. So what happened is I suffered from a case of swatting. It's very popular with people who are large on the Internet. Many large YouTubers have been swatted. It's where you call the police and you say somebody has a gun or there's a hostage situation and the SWAT team arrives. Somebody made a phone call to the American embassy saying that I was holding women at my house. The police arrived. And let me state this now. I state this uh, openly to the world. I have absolute respect for the police. I would hate to live in a country where if you call the police saying women are being held against their will, that the police don't respond. That would be terrible. Of course, they should come and look. Absolutely. They turned up. They investigated. They realized that nobody was in the house against their will. There was no crime committed. They said, OK, you're not a suspect, but you are a witness to this, along with me, my brother, the housekeeper. Uh, the gardener, everybody who was in the premises at the time was labeled a witness. We had to go to the police station for 45 minutes for pieces of paper. We filled them in and we were let go. I was swatted. Nobody was hurt. There's no human trafficking. They've been swatted before. So we'll see how this unfold. I mean, they could be a part of it. You know, they could be, uh, they could have done it. And if they did, they find out that they were doing that trafficking them women, then they need to receive just punishment. But it's always funny. And that's why I tell people they got to be very careful when they're talking about us taking on, uh, you know, things like uh, ballot uh, harvesting and things like that, that the left is doing because, just because they're doing it and getting away with it in places that they're in charge of and pr practically in charge of don't mean you, you think we going to do it and we going to get away with it.
But this is, you know, it's this. This is the type of stuff, uh, you know, that that is that is going on, and it, they it continues to get exposed in uh, so many ways, uh, where they'll let everything go that they do, and then all of a sudden they'll bring it out on us. And I'm telling you, this stuff gets so deep and so wide, and a patriot uh, exposed. Um, some things uh on uh i believe it was a real a tiktok um Ant- anton uh sky uh posted this uh yesterday and we didn't get it on the show uh but i want to get it on here now uh for you guys and guess whose daughter has been a part of this Balenciaga and all of this top model type uh, behind the scenes. This is Ella Emhoff. Now you may not know her very well, but Ella is the number one reason why the Biden administration has stayed so silent on this Balenciaga thing. Because Ella is not only one of the top models for Balenciaga, she also just so happens to be the stepdaughter of our vice president. Yeah, I totally wish that were a joke. Here she is at the inauguration with her mommy dearest. See, Ella actually got her start in modeling with Balenciaga, remarkably right after her mom became vice president. And over the last couple of years, she stayed very loyal to Balenciaga, modeling with Kanye West and Bella Hadid. And the fashion world, they've said she's responsible for their shift in couture. So if you were wondering why the US government doesn't seem very interested in investigating the exploitation of children by Balenciaga, now you know why. Because she's making sure they don't. It, this is Ella Emhoff. Now you may not know her very well. It's funny how many uh, prominent Democrat leaders that are behind so much sinister, wicked stuff. I mean, from Antifa uh, to Balenciaga and a BLM and all of them are are so against our um, constitutional rights but yet they portray it as if uh, they are for us checking on some things right now bear with me all right so alex uh bruce witz uh shared this on twitter another conspiracy theory proven to be true wow and sean davis was the original one that posted this but on the afternoon of january 6 ray epps texts his nephew about the events of the Capitol. I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. And we wonder we he how uh, say and we wonder we he was never charged and why he's the only person from Kissinger and Cheney will defend. Yeah. Because there's ties with that plot. 
this says question. So it looks like around 9 a.m., your nephew texts you, you and Jim be safe. And then at 2.12 p.m. on January the 6th, you text back, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. This is the exact same time of the video that I just played. Help us understand this text. What did you mean by orchestrate? What did you orchestrate? I just meant that I got, you have to understand our relationship. Uncle, nephew, we hunt together. We fun with each other. We do that kind of stuff. What I meant by orchestrate, I help get people there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Caught them. Then someone up under Bob said, who is, who is this pipe bomber? Francis X uh, says they should ask him under oath if he voted for Trump in 2020 or 2016. We can prove a lie and then question why, why the Trump hat. <laughs> Yeah, then it's Mega Man says sheriff in Arizona should be dragging him and his Dominion wife out of their house right now. Uh, who is that? The Ram seven 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 shared. Maybe we would get lucky, and the MSM slaves would begin to realize. Uh, that since every conspiracy theory, their slave masters label as such coming true in the future, then they tried to slander us conspiracy theorists. Their slaves will begin to assume it just means it's true. Then uh, LaDonna went on to say, beyond sad that there will be no retribution or punishment uh, for the lying hypocrites. At least they won't be in heaven. Well, I, I can't say that they won't be in heaven. All I can say is that uh, as long as they lie, they got an opportunity to repent. And and there's only one sin that a person commits uh, against the Lord, uh, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost that, that Jesus said they can't enter into heaven their own self. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's a that's a whole nother scenario right there. That that is unthinkable with some of the stuff that they did. Um, I can't conceive it, but I all I can do is just speak the truth from the word. Elon Musk exposes Anthony Fauci's cozy working relationship uh, with his wife. Man. They go, uh, uh, Elon ain't holding back, man. He, I think he's losing all these billions uh, of dollars, and he, but he's still going hard at it. Elon Musk, almost no one seems to realize that the head of bioethics at NIH, the person who is support, supposed to make sure that Fauci behaves ethically, is his wife. How about that? Nobody talks about it, though. 
That's his wife. You think she gonna she gonna throw him in jail as long as she ain't getting no heat? As long as the FBI not coming after her? No, I don't I don't think so. But this is where this is how deep this stuff is. They're over laying it over. They have different people in different places to cover their end, to watch out for them, to make sure that they can do what they're doing and they don't have to worry about getting exposed. And that's why when you see uh, people in their tutus and they're supposed to be IRS agents, that's why you have to question, you know, whether they are really investigating um, uh, uh, the Bidens as IRS uh, agents, top the top IRS agents. Paul, I don't know if you saw one of these moments, those yeah. Rand Paul versus Fauci moments, and he said that they found out through a Freedom, uh, Freedom of Information Act that it was something like $135 million in royalties had been paid out to scientists on the NIH, uh, at the NIH, from pharmaceutical companies. 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. And he asks Fauci straight up, he goes, Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants. And Fauci, in a roundabout way, you know, is like, According to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement. Hmm. Don't oh. you think, like, shouldn't we know that? Shouldn't we at least be able to know, like, how much money does Fauci make from yes. Pfizer and Moderna? Why would he even say something like that unless he's just putting it out there? You don't have a right to know what I'm making off of this because I'm making plenty of money. It's crazy, but I'm I'm telling you, this type stuff should not be. What what and you know what else shouldn't be that way? Is Katie Hobbs out in in Arizona? running for governor of, of Arizona, being over her own elections as secretary of state. And then in attorney general race, a county turns in ballots uh, after the elections saying they, they discovered ballots uh, for uh, for uh, the Abe who was running for attorney general she holds those holds that she makes an order that they have to send it to her first. She holds it till after all the court, after court with her, with with them, with him in court, after her and um and Katie Hobbs go to court, and then releases the information after the whole thing is over with. That type of Corruption should not be the case. But you know what? When you got this type of stuff right here being set up like this, this is a, a, a picture, and we know uh, shared, I believe, yesterday. But it's a video. It's a picture from what we received. It was one of those infamous drops that we received 
um, back in 2020, was it 2020 or 2019? I believe it was 2019, actually, of the Obama administration sitting at a table with all of the major uh, tech and mainstream media individuals around his table. I mean, he amassed a war army right there, and that was found on financetwitter.com. But you have the Chambers, uh, 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 John Chambers, Cisco CEO, Reed Hastings, Netflix CEO at the time, John Hennessy, president of Stanford University, Carol Bartz, Yahoo CEO, Dick Costello, Twitter CEO, the former president himself, Steve Jobs, the Apple CEO. And that was, you know, that was a while. That was before he passed. Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook CEO. Steve Wesley, uh, partner Wesley, Wesley Group. Wesley Group. I'm going to have to look in that. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with them. But John Doerr partner of Kerner Perkins. That's a legal group. Uh, and then Ann Dorr, spouse of John Dorr. Eric Smith, the Google CEO. The weaponization of the mainstream media uh, was, I get might have been uh I don't know if the right word is co-opted, commandeered. They were already leaning on the left, but then under him, they were commandeered all the more uh, to uh, really uh, go after the right at any cost. I don't know what they conspired. I mean, for all I know is that they put it all together um, to really um, come after you and I to destroy our uh, constitutional right, our freedom of speech. Um, want to give a shout out to Celtic Twenty Three Angels. We appreciate you uh, for following us. Uh, we thank you, Dirty Air, uh, for uh, for following us and. Uh, Taking the pill. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Please continue to let others know about the Apostolic Conservative Show. Midnight Rider Channel uh, posted this. uh, Pelosi's Ukraine corruption. And uh, they're showing all the ties of these leaders, which we've known this. They've been very uh, tied and connected to Ukraine since 2014, 2015, since uh, we did a regime change over there in that country and then uh, put billions of dollars in one of the oligarchs uh, uh, bank over there with the most corrupt uh, oligarch and uh, and and had uh, he was the owner of the Burisma uh, gas company that Hunter Biden was on the chair of. 
and just a whole lot of corrupt st- stuff that was going on. So they went on Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., was a board member of Viscor and expected edit an executive at its related company, Mr. Glab, or NR Glab, rather, which did energy business in Ukraine. The Federalist Papers wrote about that. And I'm pretty sure uh, we talked about um, all of this back in 2020. Then John Kerry's Ukraine corruption. John Kerry's stepson, Chris Hines, with Hunter Biden, had an equity firm called Rosemont Capital and did exclusive deals with same countries that Joe Biden and John Kerry negotiated with. New York Post and Peter uh, S. Schweizer wrote about that. Now, the one thing they don't mention in there that we know is factual is that uh, John uh, Kerry's daughter actually married one of the Iranian, uh, I don't know if they call them the Tolas or whatever, but she married into that, that, uh, that family over there in Iran. <laughs> yeah, this stuff, it, it gets, it gets really deep. So of course, Biden's Ukraine corruption, um, his son, Hunter Biden, a former crack addict with no energy sector experience was a board member of Ukrainian energy company, Burisma and made, they say $50,000 a month. According to, um, one of his baby mamas, uh, is actually, uh, was over about 60, 70 some thousand dollars a month. I believe it was over 60 something where he received over a million and a half up front from them. And that was just after he made the trip from China where they sent a billion dollars over there to invest in their uh, Burisma company. Oh, yeah. You can you can search this out for your own self. But yet they're so hard after uh, President Trump. But they're not looking one bit at him. They uh, the FBI has had Hunter Biden's laptop that exposed all of this stuff for over. Um, they've had it for over two years, and sadly, they're doing nothing with it. And then Romney, uh, Ukraine's corruption. Matt, Matt, Mitt Romney's national security advisor, Joseph Coffer, black, former CIA agent, joined Burisma's board of directors while Hunter Biden was also serving on the board. Uh, and this was once again by the Federalists. Oh, yeah. This is all that corruption we're dealing with. We're going to go right into another video uh, from uh, 
from uh and we know a little small small clip that he played and I thought it was important enough to play it. Uh even though part part of it we covered um uh, what last week. Uh no, actually I think that was like Monday or Tuesday, uh with the IRS agent um that the head of the uh, uh, head IRS agent that is over the investigation of uh, the Biden family um, actually <laughs> running around, you know, tutu and all of that. Uh, so I won't rehearse all of that, but I'll let it play the video because there's some pertinent, some serious information for them to put out. I want to give another shout out uh, to Mr. Kenny, uh, M- Mr. Kenny, who just followed us. Thank you so much. Um, and the litany of other preachers that I have not, uh, got to see, uh, who have followed us. And every, every day after the show, I end up seeing people, uh, that have followed us. And then I didn't get to, you know, give you a shout out on the show. But we appreciate you all, and we thank you. Um, uh, continue to please uh, support uh, the Apostolic Conservative Show um, as we continue to strive to bring you some of the best uh, content that the mainstream media don't want to talk about. You head over to this world of Marco Polo, revealing a lot of stuff. The lead IRS agent responsible for investigating the Bidens is on the left in the tutu. And that would be on the left of your screen. Let me see if I can highlight it for you right here. We're in the tutu. More info on the agent and his partner, Euro K. Austin, who is connected at least socially to Dr. Dimitri on page 74 to 75 in our dossier. These folks that are running the government, that they're putting in power, we're finding more and more are involved in the sickest debauchery we can ever imagine. And as you look into other companies, Deep Dive shows us Thorn. Thorn was an NGO founded in 2012 by actors Ashton Kutcher and then his wife back then, Demi Moore. Thorn was also supposed to be about stopping child trafficking. They partnered with Amazon and Digital Reasoning to create their product, Spotlight. Spotlight is an AI-powered surveillance tool which they sold to police departments across the nation. If you go to their website, it says that Spotlight helps find kids faster. Interesting, though, Amazon already had an AI surveillance tool called recognition on the market, but Congress had put a moratorium on Amazon and the sale of recognition for one year. Why? Because in a test run of recognition software by the ACLU, making sure the software was accurate, 34 members of Congress were flagged as having an arrest record. Clearly, Congress was very concerned about the results. So what did Amazon do? They skirted around this moratorium and partnered with Thorne to create a new facial recognition software, which they would give away free to police departments. Of course, they claimed this was an attempt to stop child trafficking. It's also worth noting 
that both Amazon and Digital Reasoning had ties to the NQTEL CIA. So here we have two major CIA-connected companies coming together to create anti-child trafficking software. The CIA has a history with ties to child sex trafficking rings. Related stories, some we have discussed on this channel. If these weren't red flags, I don't know what is. The question is, what was going on with the facial recognition software? It's been bothering me. I wanted to know why these companies and entities wanted it so bad. So we see that. And also another fashion company, Crocs, sponsoring and promoting child drag shows. Yeah. Now, if we move on, we're going to go to a video now. Um, now, I will I will tell you, it says uh, in, in red that this is a fake um, Edward Snowden account. But I have to be honest, I um, since they put that, the, the tag up there on it, uh, I just let it remain. Because there's so much epic information that they're putting up there, um, it could it could be his fake account, or either uh, there could be uh, the FBI, somebody that's doing something on Telegram, or somebody working with <laughs> Telegram, working with them to actually try uh, to portray that um, he uh, it is a fake account of his just to stop people from following it. So we we'll see we'll, we'll see how that, how this turns out uh but um I'm going to let it play anyway because this is a video from History Ch Channel and it's a little bit old it's a old vi older video um from Har uh Harp which is a, a defense program and um you know it just says on here matter of fact let me uh change this up a little bit so you guys can see, um, says 18 die as monster storm brings rain, snow, uh, cold across Buffalo, New York. As I told uh, you a few days ago, everything happens for a reason. Do you think the raging hurricane is a coincidence? coincidence? Watch the video and you will understand many things. There are different ways that what that weather is modified, engineered, Hey, I'm just gonna let it play, but what what is played on here will blow your mind. Uh, before I we do get this playing, I do want to give a shout out over on Clout uh, on the Clout Hub uh, for patriots that have followed uh, us over there. Um, starting with Gil Guillermo Garcia. Uh, Lim track, uh, where we got uh, Jasado, several different ones. Where was that? Live Jeff, uh, appreciate you, appreciate your support. Uh, please share Bear, uh, 1132. Uh, who else we got there? All right, we're gonna keep it moving now. I'm not gonna go all the way back over that. Uh, but we we appreciate you guys for following us over there. Thank you for for the love that you guys continue to show. One of my good decisions of of joining that. But here we go. Let's go ahead and play this. 
project is called HARP. HARP is the high-frequency active auroral research project, originally a joint effort of the Air Force and Navy in cooperation with a number of academic institutions. HARP is comprised of 180 antennas, approximately 72 feet tall, linked together to function as one giant steerable antenna. Steerable because it can aim millions of watts of ELF waves into one tiny patch of the atmosphere. The amount of energy we're talking about here is 3.6 million watts, injecting their entire output into a spot that's about 12 miles across by about two and a half miles deep by about 90 miles up. This is where HARP is pointed. It's an area located roughly 300 miles from Anchorage. The U.S. military says HARP is merely being used to study the physical and electrical properties and behavior of the ionosphere for both civilian and defense purposes. Another theory has surfaced. The intense energy being beamed into the sky by HARP is actually heating up the atmosphere, causing weather changes. HARP is being used for weather modification. The military's own record proves it. They've admitted it within their own documents, and yet they still deny it to the public. HARP is one of several ELF wave transmitters located all over the globe. The United States owns and operates three of them. One in Kokona, Alaska, another in Fairbanks, Alaska, and one in Arecibo, Puerto Rico. Russia has one in Vasilvorsky, near Nizhny, Volkorod. The European Union has one near Prumsa in Norway. Working in tandem, these transmitters could potentially alter the weather anywhere in the world, changing the jet stream's course entirely, triggering massive rainstorms or droughts. Even hurricane steering would be possible by heating up the atmosphere and building up high-pressure domes that could deflect or change the course of hurricanes. Text is called... <laughs> Now, just a couple of summers ago, they was telling us conspiracy theorists that they didn't have anything. There was nothing of of man's creation that could send heat waves that could project heat towards uh, different uh, locations. But once again, mainstream media has helped us out by exposing what they didn't want to expose. And that's the thing about it. They are, they've talked about so many things they can't cover their lies. They can't they can't they can't cover up their lies. It's only it, it gets revealed in time. Just like over in California. When they they mocked and laughed at President Trump because when he went over there to have a meeting with them in the in the in the midst of a crisis of all those homes being burnt uh, because of the fires that was going over there, they were. Uh, and we found out first of all we saw reports that there were so many people over there radicals that were setting fires and people were getting arrested antifa them but we know the scenario over there is that in left-leaning areas they always take advantage of crises even when they create the crises themselves 
but it was also talk that there possibly could be these heat machines or sending uh, heat r- waves or heat rays down in a certain areas. But they laughed at Trump uh, said when he said, really, all y'all need to do is spend the money cleaning up the forestry, getting up the old wood out of the, the forestry, and you wouldn't have all these brush fires. Oh, they marked, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, they take advantage of the crisis that they have with these fires so they can ask for more emergency funds. Now, I'm going to say this. Now, this might be a little trivial, um, a little trivial, and I can understand how it could be trivial, but this does make you think about how... We have this scenario with all these homeless people all around these urban areas where the left runs. And, and, you know, I understand, and I've talked about it before. Jesus said, the poor you'll have always with you. And there's some people that you try to help, you can help all they want to, and and it just, you know, it ain't going to turn out. But what it does show you is that our country could have been doing a lot better than what we've done. When we can afford to spend trillions of dollars over the last three years on a bunch of mess, we could have done a lot better. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you ain't, I thought you was a conservative. You ain't supposed to be for big government spending. But what I'm saying is, if we can afford before President Trump got out of office, we can as- afford to spend $600 billion. And many of us got money that they just randomly sent to different people, you know, $1,400 or whatever it was. And then if 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 we could take, after he got out, they spent another trillion dollars in his Build Back Better plan, that has got our country broke, busted, and disgusted, um, looking at the stock stock markets and all of that, which, by the way, for those who that try to say, oh, the, the, the stock market, you know, oh, it, it, that's the rich man and that's for certain people and all that. No, you, you don't know what you're talking about because that is the foremost way that most first-time millionaires have become millionaires and built wealth in their family by investing over a long period of time consistently in the market and have and and have retired early. But the left, you know, and others don't want you to, to see that, don't want you to believe that. Huh, I'm just seeing something on my live feed. It's like it just started. Or maybe that's because it's just where I'm where I I'm scrolling along over there and it's watching and it just keeps starting over. But yeah, so they take advantage of all these crises over there. They they scoffed at, at Trump when he said that. But in all actuality, they came right back out. Several major newspapers after he had lost, and 
Joe Obama Biden took took over, presumably. Uh, they began to write articles about how much much they could save and how much uh, they could avoid uh, forest fires over there if they clean up and they designated money towards cleaning up the ground of the forestry over there. That's the type of stuff that we have to deal with. And, and I, yes, I do believe if, um, if they would spend money appropriately, they could have spent a lot of that on helping the poor or just simply giving the money back to you and I, not taxing the deaf out of us. If they didn't tax us to death, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, have all that surplus money to be spending this there and other places. They could put it at our border instead of spending, you know, four hundred million dollars on other nations' borders. This oh yeah, this one this other video, uh, I, this is a reminder of why people. Uh, supported President Trump. Okay, here we go. Let me let me get it up. Now, you may, maybe you guys have seen this video before uh and but it, it I did edit it because in the Trump fashion way, he did drop one of them uh bad words. And if I can, if I got control over it, I'll do the best I can to get it out of them. But this is one reason why he won. And this video is from about 10 years ago from Jack uh, Posobiec is the one that shared it. You know, the other thing about Libya that really bothers me, because we get back again, it always gets back to China, because while we're spending billions of dollars being policemen of the world, China is spending billions of dollars a day buying the world. And calling us stupid. And we have the president of China come a few months ago to Washington. And we give him a state dinner. Now, when people are screwing you, you don't give them state dinners. I said, no, no, we're not giving dinners. What we do is we sit down in my office for a couple of hours. We either make a deal where you stop manipulating your currency or not. If we make a deal, you can have a state dinner if you want. If you don't make a deal, you take McDonald's and you go home. That's it. That's it. You're going to be paying 5 and $6 a gallon for gasoline pretty soon. And they want, to, they want to go in and raise the price of oil because we have nobody in Washington that sits back and said, you're not going to raise that in price. You understand me? This is what America needs, is strength. Someone the world has gotten to know because he's been doing business deals and working with leaders all around the world and meant what he said over and over again. He's done what he said he he was going to do. Uh, he's done a whole lot more as a leader uh, than, than uh, all of the representatives we have 
in government now uh, because they're they're all looking out for their interests. They're all looking out for their uh, how they can line their pockets. And you know, it, it, I, I'm. Let me let me say this. It's it's crazy how um, they just sell our country out, and it's been happening for a long time. And but when he got in the office, it's the sellout stopped happening, like they were. And we're gonna go um go to an actual uh, another uh, actual article by Human Events, um, and this is uh, they they uh, cover a lot of good stuff over there on Human Event, and we want to uh, go to this article uh, today. Uh, China files um, being released have been released. Jack Posobiec reveals how Bush's deal with CCP spawned the bloody legacy of globalism. And this was written by Roberto uh, Wakerell Cruz. Let me uh, see if I can get this, get this going for us. Following the death of Chairman Mao at the height of the Cultural Revolution, purges were taking place across the party and country. Human Events Daily host Jack Posobiec, as part of his China Files series, explained the history of China and the rise of Mao. Now in this third installment, Posobiec breaks down the people's dynasty of of horror. If you weren't considered a true Maoist, you'd be killed or persecuted to point uh, the point that you might want to commit suicide before they came for you and your family. In the midst of all of this, Mao himself passes away. His body is later put on display in mausoleum and a new leader uh, emerges to become the paramount supreme leader of the party. And China, through though he never takes the title himself officially, the man is the minuscule Ding Jinping. And I'm going to actually see if I can get this plan for you guys. Uh, this was out of part three. Let me let me see if I can get this thing. Out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. Today is part three of the China Files. Today's title: Kongbu the Renmin Wang Chao, the People's Dynasty of Horror. Where we last left off in our tale, Chairman Mao had just passed away. It was the height of the Cultural Revolution. Purges were happening all over the party and all over the country. Millions of people were dying. The pressure was on that if you weren't considered a true Maoist, you could be killed, you could be persecuted to the point where 
you might even want to commit suicide before they came for you and your family. In the midst of all of this, Chairman Mao himself, the great helmsman, passes away. His body is later put on display at the mausoleum. And a new leader emerges to become the paramount supreme leader of the party, supreme leader of China, even though he never takes the title himself officially. And that man is the minuscule Deng Xiaoping. Now, Deng Xiaoping, he had been around in the CCP from the early days. He was a member of that long march. He fought with the Red Army. But one thing that was different between Deng Xiaoping and Mao, as there were many differences between Deng Xiaoping and Mao, was that Deng Xiaoping had had foreign experiences as a young man. Chairman Mao only ever left China once that we know of in order to go to Moscow to attend a meeting with Joseph Stalin in the 1940s. Deng Xiaoping, on the other hand, had spent time overseas. Deng Xiaoping, in his very early years, had an opportunity to travel to France as an overseas worker. In fact, many Chinese traveled overseas as workers in the late 1800s, of course, famously building the railroad in the United States, out, uh, the Transcontinental Railroad, and then in other chances, he had he worked in France. And so at 16 years old, Deng Xiaoping traveled steerage class on a working ship to France as an overseas worker, where he worked in a steel factory, an iron factory. He was given a job as a fitter. And actually years later, during the Cultural Revolution, when he himself was purged by Mao and by the party, he was sent to a factory. This is 50 years later. He's sent to a factory to work yet again as a fitter. And it turns out that he still knew trade. He was still a master of the craft. So Deng Xiaoping has this European background. He studied in France for a little bit, at least in middle school that we know of. And then he then comes in. He's one of the people that during the Great Leap Forward, the party looked to, and he had risen through the ranks, and they looked to him to establish some kind of economic reform, to find some kind of way to peel back from the hardline communism and hardline commune policies of Chairman Mao that led to the mass starvation. So Deng Xiaoping began injecting market reforms and introducing market reforms, both after the Great Leap Forward and then later. I pause this broadcast to say, Everett Home, we appreciate you showing the love over on the pill or foxhole. When Mao died and Deng Xiaoping became really his successor, that's when he introduced a new policy into China. He called it Gai Ge Kaifang, reform and opening up. And essentially what he did, now keep in mind, this is after the meeting with Nixon, after the meeting with Kissinger. Oh, snap, that's my friend. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you uh, for joining us, uh, checking us out. We love you. Appreciate you. Joe and Lai is still around. He's one of the premiers of China. But Deng Xiaoping starts opening China to the West. And he allows specifically foreign direct investment to come into China, realizing that communism has been a failure in terms of economics, but then not wanting to lose power with the over the entire country from a political perspective. And so he knew he had to say something about Chairman Mao. And there's a famous saying from Deng Xiaoping. Uh, he's a famous for being a pragmatist. And one of his famous sayings about Chairman Mao, and they asked him, was, was Mao good, was Mao bad? 
Of course, he knew that he had to acknowledge the failures of Chairman Mao, but he also had to find a way to maintain Chairman Mao's standing as the leader of China, the, the leader of the CCP, really the initial, not if, if not formal founder, but you know certainly the, the original main leader. No, uh, hey, and, and don't be mad at me for for pausing this to say this, but shout out to Cheryl. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Ap Apostolic Conservative Show. Uh, thank you for joining our group on Facebook. Deng Xiaoping comes up with a statement of oh, and also if you like to to see the entirety of this video, the link is provided in the description. Mao was seven parts good, three parts bad. And that's still essentially the official narrative from the party when it goes to Chairman Mao. And then when Mao had passed away and Deng starts introducing these, these market reforms into China, he said, they asked him about this once and they said, you know, isn't this, isn't this a form of capitalism? Isn't this the, the opposite of communism? What are you doing and uh, later on, this, this system is, is known as socialism with Chinese characteristics. Uh, and Dong responds, it doesn't matter if a cat is white or black. It only matters if the cat catches mice. And so again, the same type of pragmatism that you would see as opposed to the ideological dogmatism of Chairman Mao, whereas Deng Xiaoping wanted China to become richer, wanted the party to become more powerful. But here's the difference. Here's the difference between him and, say, a Khrushchev. Here's the difference between him and a Gorbachev, was that Deng never wanted the party to lose power. And so as this, the country and as the CCP opened up more and reformed more, the 1970s rolled into the 1980s. And, that, and throughout the 1980s, remember, the USSR at this point is beginning to crack. The communist bloc is beginning to open. Thaws are happening between, first, obviously, between the CCP and the United States, but then also between the Warsaw nations. Berlin Wall, more and more protests all throughout the 1980s. Reagan becomes president. Reagan and Thatcher... Pope John Paul II, they're fighting. They're going behind the Berlin Wall. Pope John Paul II goes to Poland, holds massive rallies. Worldwide communism is beginning to fall. And the power of communism over these areas is beginning to weaken. All of this comes to a head. And at the same time, Deng Xiaoping, he's out there preaching reform, opening up, reform, reform, reform. Well, students and youth throughout China, start hearing this and they say, we don't just want economic reform. We want political reform. We want social reform. We want the freedoms that we've seen in the West. We want the freedoms that we've seen in the United States. We want the freedoms that are being denied to us. And this sparks off a movement as well. And in fact, some party leaders of the CCP back this new movement of political reform. One of those leaders ends up passing away and a funeral is held for him in a place called Tiananmen Square in April of 1989. And the students flooded the square. They stayed there for months. And when we come back, 
I'll tell you what happened next. So it's April 1989. There's massive movement for social change across all of China, every major city. And one party leader in particular, not Deng Xiaoping, but a pretty high leader named Hu Yaobang is championing these reforms. But Deng Xiaoping and the hardliners, the long marchers, they don't want this. They don't want any social reform. They don't want any reform at all like this because they want the party to always be the unchallenged head of all of China. So Hu Yaobang is forced to resign, but not long after his forced resignation, he suffers a heart attack and dies. Many of his supporters, many of the students, wonder, could he have been killed? Could something have happened to him? Like something happened to Lin Biao? What's really going on? So those students flood, not just Tiananmen Square, but Shanghai, Chongqing, hundreds of thousands in Hong Kong, all over China. Remember, Hong Kong, by the way, had not been under Chinese rule at this time, not under the CCP rule at this time. It was still under British rule. Hong Kong never went communist. Hong Kong was always a British enclave, the same way that Taiwan never became communist because it was always under the nationalists after 1949. So you have to remember this. Hong Kong and Taiwan always stayed outside of communist China until later on with Hong Kong. So here we are. The students don't leave Tiananmen Square. The protests get bigger and bigger. They go on for weeks. The weeks turn to months. Now it's June and it's still going on. And everybody remembers what happened. June 4th, 1989, the tanks rolled in full view of Western cameras because Deng Xiaoping and the leaders of the CCP saw a potential for a new civil war and a new revolution on their hands. And they themselves knew as revolutionaries what would happen if they allowed that movement to get off the ground. And so instead of giving it space, they crushed it and they killed thousands of students, workers, and everyone else in that square of the gate of heavenly peace, which is what Tiananmen means. The same gate where Chairman Mao, just 40 years before, exactly 40 years before, had commemorated the founding of the People's Republic of China. But in fact, at this point, their People's Republic had just become a new dynasty a sort of red dynasty, one that was not willing to relinquish power to anyone. Now, an interesting story about all of this, Premier Zhao Ziyang, so CCP Premier Zhao Ziyang at this point actually became a supporter of the students, went down into the protest himself as a high-ranking member of the party, and showed support to them, showed respect, listened to them. And for this, Zhao Ziyang was purged, of course, in the midst of these protests. However, because of his background, because of who he was, because of his leal service to the CCP in the past, and he, because he had so many internal supporters, 
He was put on house arrest. He was not executed. Zhao Ziyang spent the rest of his life recording 30 audio tapes that were then smuggled out of his house between 1999 and 2000. He actually had children's cassette tapes for his kids on, a, on an old audio player. And he would record over them with a little battery-operated radio that he had at his house. And the CCP guards never noticed what he was doing in there. What was he actually doing? He was secretly recording his memoirs. He was secretly recording what actually happened inside the CCP just prior to Tiananmen Square, as well as his take on everything that had gone on prior to it. Wow. He said in, in terms of that, I refused to become the general secretary who mobilized the military to crack down on students. In the final chapter of the See, book, I got to say this. Which was later... See, we, we have to continue to believe in the humanity to override at some point the evilness of humanity, the good in humanity to override the evilness of humanity. It's happened from time to time where God touched people's heart. And in a situation like that, where he could have his life taken away at any moment that they would have caught him recording those last moments you have to understand that there are some things that are greater to die for a heel to stand on or to die on uh, than to go along uh, with the treachery. And you can see when you see the evilness of what is taking place, that is very powerful, a very powerful view of someone that was in the midst of atrocities that was taking place and still willing to put himself on the line. Did not want to be a part of what had happened or what had been happening. And he took a, a stand when nobody else would in 2009 to commemorate the 20th anniversary of Tiananmen Square, Zhao Ziyang praised the Western system of parliamentary democracy and said that it is the only way that China could solve its problems of corruption and a growing gap between the rich and the poor. On Tiananmen Square, he said, by insisting on my view of the student demonstrations and refusing to accept the decision to crack down with force, I knew what the consequences would be and what the treatment I would receive. I knew that if I persistently upheld my view, I would be ultimately compelled to step down. On the night of June 3rd, when sitting in the courtyard with my family, I heard intense gunfire. A tragedy to shock the world had not been averted. And what was happening, after all? That's one of the only acknowledgments that's ever come out of a high-ranking CCP official actually admitting that the Tiananmen Square massacre did take place. 
and he had to smuggle it out through his kids, his grandkids, cassette tapes. On Deng Xiaoping, he wrote, Deng has always stood out among the party elders as one who emphasized the means of dictatorship. He often reminded people of its usefulness. And so people need to understand that when you look at Deng Xiaoping, when you look at these years of reform and opening up in China, that doesn't mean they were willing to relinquish power. Far from it. Because this still was the CCP. Now, the difference between Tiananmen Square and what happened with the Berlin Wall and what happened in Moscow was that in Moscow, the soldiers refused to fire on their own citizens, on their own people. The People's Liberation Army, which is what the Red Army had become to be, uh, to be known as, they brought in units from outside Beijing. They told them that the whole thing was a Western plot and that they were there to take down China and that the only way to save China was to destroy the students and destroy the movement where it stood. And that's exactly what they did. But that image of the tank man that did come out, cover Time magazine, that led protesters and gave them hope. And it sent hope behind the Berlin Wall to East Germany, to Poland, to Russia, all over the communist world. And it was following the events of Tiananmen Square that communism itself fell across the entire globe. So after Tiananmen Square, the bloody cobblestone streets, communism is withering and dying across the world. But that's not what happens in China. No, not at all. Because just one month after the Tiananmen Square massacre, the President of the United States at the time, George H.W. Bush, sends his national security advisor, General Scowcroft, on a secret mission to China. Now, George H.W. Bush, prior to becoming president, had been the CIA director. But prior to that, he had also been America's special envoy to China. It's true. Wow. And he'd always had big plans for China. He saw what was going on in the 1970s. And he looked at it through the lens of business and realized, why knock over the Chinese Communist Party when you could make them make a deal? Because the United States and the Western system, the Western world, could have destroyed the CCP at that instant. They had no power. We could have cut off trade. We could have done everything that we did to Russia. When they invaded Ukraine and China would have been finished, or at least the CCP would have been finished. They've been done for. But no. Because what George H.W. Bush and his successor Bill Clinton did throughout the 1990s was to form a new deal with the CCP, a secret pact. The CCP would continue opening up and they'd be they would continue to be the leaders of China, and the West would support them the same way the West had supported the USSR in its early days and helped to industrialize the nation. The West would continue to industrialize China through their finances, through foreign direct investment, and in exchange, they would provide 
slave labor. In exchange, Western firms would be allowed to supply the capital, supply the intellectual property, but the goods that would be made would be made for slave wages and sent all around the world. This was the birth of a system that today we call globalism. Globalism was born from the bloody cobblestones of Tiananmen Square. This is what the United States elites did as a response here. Now, there were a few things that the CCP asked for in return, one of which was tough. And, they, and it wasn't directly... Food supplies have been completely wiped out. We have our evacuation of all counties. I report complete devastation. We have a giant squall. There are forces in this world that remind us of how fragile we are. We thought we were safe. We thought it could never happen to us. Then life like a fog descends upon us, blanketing our memories. Through the haze, we travel its hidden paths, lost in its secret places. And when the storm, turbulent and immovable, forces us to shelter, we remember. It calls to us, calls us back. Back to the ports and the harbors of our past. We fight the currents that pull and drag us off course. Not a light or star to chart the way. And when we arrive, we don't always know it at first. The places we once loved guised by time. Then we see it. The place we've been trying to get back to. Safe at last. Second Timothy 3 and 1 says, But know this, that in the last days there shall be perilous times. We're living in perilous times now where there's rioting, looting, and natural disasters leaving people without power for several days. You can be the hero to your family by stocking up on your My Patriot supply of food. With a shelf life of 25 years, you can be that hero. Click on the link below and order your supply. Washington, they asked for this. It was to London. Because remember before I was talking about Hong Kong, that massive, powerful, sprawling metropolis. It's actually a series of islands at the mouth of the Pearl River. The British had started. It had been nothing before the British came. But Deng Xiaoping wanted it back. He said, if we're going to get this thing done, if we're going to get this whole deal done, we want it back. And they had already been in negotiations even before Tiananmen Square for this to happen. Deng Xiaoping said, we want to continue the negotiations. We want it back. And there were people who even said at the time that because Hong Kong had stayed capitalist throughout its entire existence, had never gone communist, 
that perhaps if Hong Kong were introduced, reintroduced to China, they, they called it one country, two systems, under the one country, two systems model, that all of China would open up, that China would become democratic and capitalist and everything would be free. When in fact, it was the exact opposite that happened. The West handed over Hong Kong, which the West had built. And where are we now? Hong Kong has been subjugated. Hong Kong's freedoms have been stolen. People trampled in the streets. Protesters disappeared. And the CCP has taken complete control and reneged on every single deal they made with the West. Because understand, when they make a deal with the West, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. Because the CCP doesn't see Westerners as people. They see them as lesser. They see them as merely a means to an end. And the CCP teaches that the hundred years between the Opium War of 1949 to the founding, excuse me, the Opium War of 1849, all the way up to the founding of the People's Republic in 1949, that was called the Century of Humiliation. And that is why now, when the CCP has their targets set on 2049, they want the following century to be the century of CCP ascendance. Not just in China, but around the entire world. And so Deng Xiaoping passes away in February of 97. He doesn't actually get to see it. But on July 1st, 1997, the British flag goes down on Hong Kong. And the CCP's flag goes up. A CCP garrison is then formed and stood up. The People's Liberation Army, right down in Admiralty, in central Hong Kong. The Chinese Navy begins patrolling the waters. They take sovereignty of Hong Kong. And then their eyes turn towards Taiwan. And they say they want that back too. Even though it had never been part of the CCP, it had never been part of CCP control. But this was the deal. The deal was the West and Western elites wanted to continue to maintain their slave wages and these deals so that cheap TVs, big screens could be sent over. Manufacturing would be outsourced to China. Who cares what happens to Detroit? Who cares what happens to the Midwest? Who cares what happens to the South? We're all going to make rich. And sure, we'll make that. We'll let the CCP. We'll make them rich as well. Doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, that's all we care about: is selling products to gullible, stupid Westerners with their consumer mindsets. And so, the CCP, in a sense, abandons communism, at least in terms of economic principles. But they maintain power, and they came up with a new strategy. And the new strategy would be to join with the West to build a global empire. But then once the West had built it, the CCP would take over. And just such a man 
with that ambition and vision in mind, came and took over the CCP in the 2000s. We'll talk about him tomorrow. His name is Xi Jinping. Woo-hoo. There was some good stuff, some con- great confirmation of what I had already believed and have been talking about uh, for a long time on on the show, uh, and and that Bush them was a part of the sellout, the the New World Order sellout, and there's a lot of them, and we're right now in the midst of. Uh, the biggest sellout of these globalists uh, that have bought in to basically surrendering our country to China. Even with these uh, half a billion dollars uh, that they're sending down uh, to, uh, well, it was more than, I'm sorry, it's $50 billion that uh, Joe Bummer Biden has promised to send down to Africa. Well, it's not going to make it to the people. I mean, there'll be some people that are uh, willing to go along with, with their agenda uh, from the lascivious lifestyles to, um, uh, to the green deal, new green deal. But overall it's going to skim straight on through uh, to their party members to the globalists that is, uh, and, and and to China, because China is running large portions of uh, Africa and of the African nations, and they're mining and all of that, where they have child labor, uh, children labor for the minerals that go into batteries uh, in these uh, con- in these states or uh, countries over there in Africa. Or nations in Africa, I put it that way. Or, no, I meant this, I said it right, the countries in Africa. <clears throat> and this is a reality that weak leadership allows us to go down that path. But God wins in the end, ultimately, and we have the peace of God because we do not rely on men. We rely on the word of God. And now we have a segment um, for those of you who might be new to the show that we call a moment in the word because we believe that a moment in the word can change your life. A moment in the word can change my life. And a moment in the word can change anyone's life. And today's scripture reading, uh oh, well, we'll go we'll go with it like that. We'll come uh from Philippians four, ten through thirteen. Uh, let me make it a little more visible uh for everyone. Philippians 4, 10 through 13, 13, and it says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last, your care of me have flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want that I have learned 
and whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, I know many of us have taken that last uh, portion or last sentence of those scriptures and said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And often we have used that to say that I can accomplish anything in the world. I can do anything in the world. I can overcome all the obstacles. I can leave an inheritance for my children, for my children's children, as the word says, a just man leaves a heritage for their children's children. But you have to understand where Paul was at when he wrote this letter in Philippians. Paul himself was incarcerated at the time of writing this letter. But in the midst of him writing this letter, as you, if you, as you look at the entirety of it, he spoke about joy throughout this, even though we don't see it overwhelmingly in this script, in this, these scriptures, but he talked about joy in this book more than any any book in the Bible, the word joy was spoken over and over again. Because Paul had learned at this time that it was not about having the freedom and the liberty and the finances and all these different things that would come to what a lot of people would know this vernacular when, when it comes down to the free world. For those that have been incarcerated, you know where I'm coming from when you talk about the free world. The free world is where all of us are at now watching this right here. Um, I guess unless you're in, in, in federal prison, because I, I think in federal prison, they do allow people to have internet and video. I, well, I just found that out. Actually, I just found it out just a, a, a few weeks ago when uh, we were there in Oklahoma and some patriots uh, from J6 called and they do the uh, uh, the the national anthem every night at nine o'clock. Uh, but anyway, Paul was incarcerated and in spite of his circumstances, he let it be known that he's learned to be content in whatever state he's in. He learned how to walk with the wealthy, with riches, and, and everything to accomplish every mission, mission that he wanted to do for the Lord. And at the same time, he, he, he understood what it was to be uh, three times shipwrecked. Twice left for dead after being stoned and beaten uh, for what they thought he was left for dead. He's learned to be content 
even when they were on a ship and they didn't want to listen to him. And he told them they might need to remain and wait for the storm to go by. But they wanted to go ahead and get them over the, over the sea, over the waters. And they went and they found themselves in harm's way by the storm called Eurachlodon. And I won't go on much further, but Paul understood that there was a place and a time and that he could do all things through Christ which strengthened him, which means at that very time when he was saying that we might use it to accomplish great things with financially and obtaining this and doing that uh, and that I can achieve this and I can achieve that. But Paul was saying, I can do all things things through Christ, meaning I can endure what I'm going through in this hardship. And I want to encourage someone tonight that God loves you enough that he will be with you in the midst of your storm. He will be with you in the midst of your trial. And I want to encourage you to let you know that God loves you no matter where you at, whether you're behind prison walls, standing up for righteousness like Paul was. Or whether whether you're going through turmoil in your household, God loves you. He'll be with you. Look to him as the author and the finisher of you know, my wife is a Christian author. She has written a couple of books, A Life Altered, which is her testimony of how the Lord delivered her from drugs and addiction. Also, Papa Jones, which is my testimony of how the Lord delivered me from the streets and filled me with the Holy Spirit on a prison yard over 20 years ago. Her books can be found on PentecostalPublishing.com, Amazon, Kobo, Kindle Books, and Barnes and Nobles. Also her on her website, you can find testimonials of those who have read her book at cjonesauthor.com. Her books can be bought for less than $9. They also come in Spanish translation. And I hope you find them a blessing. Now, Lord God, I pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice, those that are going through struggles, going through hardship. I'm still in this season of uh, freshly lost loved ones and uh, and just struggling to to deal with it and cope with it. Lord God, I pray that you would strengthen them right now, Lord God. I pray that you would just uh, envelope them in your love, wrap your arms around them through this hardship and through this time. Lord God, we thank you for moving uh, for those that continue to fight for our uh, constitutional and our Judeo-Christian rights. Lord God, move in their lives, Lord God. Meet the needs of everyone under the sound of my voice. And I pray that you will be that strength for them that they can endure all things and uh, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We'll give you glory, honor, and praises. Now, Patriots, Saints, friends, I want you to please, if you would, keep Crystal and I in your prayers as we strive to do the will of God for our lives, uh, knowing that we're all in this together. And where we go one, we go all. And you can always find the original plan of salvation um, and 
in the book of Acts, the second chapter and 38 verse. And I want to leave you guys with this, uh, this thought and these, uh, this video that a patriot posted on the apostolic conservatives group. If you have not joined, uh, if you have not liked and followed the apostolic conservative show, we ask you to please do that right there. Uh, and then also if you would join the apostolic conservative group and wherever you're watching us at, uh, please subscribe to us. Uh, if you're on Rumble, give us some pluses uh, and to help us get around those algorithms that uh, try to uh, suffocate our voice. Let's George, that very few scholars even want to talk about because they don't know what to say about it. It's a, it's a brief text. It's only about 2,000 lines. All right. And it is written as if an observer were present the day that the Creator created humankind. Step by step. Huh. However, it's written in a language. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Is it like today. Genesis or totally different? It's very different from Genesis. I think Genesis is probably partially derived from this text, the, the Sefer Yitzhak, uh, which is the book of creation. It literally translates to the book of creation. So it was as if someone were watching the Creator actually create the first person. Doing what he did. Doing what he did. But it is not written scientifically. The bottom line to what the, the text is saying is that through language, humankind was created. And that, that doesn't make a lot of sense Explain that. if you take it literally. But as I began to follow the instructions as the author created them in this text, and this, George, this is to me, this is the power of transcending the boundaries between science and spirituality. Because if, if a, a scientist only looked at the elements of life, you'd never make this discovery. If you only look at the spiritual text, you would never make this discovery. But it's by blending the two together and allowing them to tell the story. So we today at Modern Science, we talk about life as, as the result of elements, and we describe elements through word and through number. So we have the periodic table, for example. Hydrogen, uh, yeah. nitrogen, oxygen, carbon makes up the DNA of our bodies. Those are the words. And for every one of those words, there are a lot of numbers that may be applied. There are 17 different numeric parameters that go with each of those. So put that aside, when you go back into the ancient text and the Sefer Yitzhak specifically, they did exactly the same thing. They talked about the power of the letters of very specific alphabets. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense to modern scholars until we begin to understand that every ancient alphabet, bar none, that I have found so mm -hmm. far, has always from day one with each letter had a number, a mysterious number associated with the letters. We don't know where the numbers came from. They never change. A they code? Are, they are un it's a unique numeric code. The study of that code is called gematria, and it was actually formalized. The laws, 32 laws of gematria, were formed in the second century. They were formalized in the second century. And the only way gematria works is, is you cannot deviate from these laws. There are specific laws that apply to the numbers. So our ancestors were also talking about life using words and numbers. So they had the letter. I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to start this over for some of you uh, that may want to um, want to see this in a larger screen, screen recorded or, or whatever you may want to do with it. But I'm going to play this over in a larger view. times of a couple of authors into English. It's so mysterious, George, that very few scholars even want to talk about it because they don't know what to say about it. It's a, it's a brief text. It's only about 2,000 lines. Sorry. And it is written as if an observer were present the day that the Creator created the humankind. Step by step. Huh. However, it's written in a language. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Is it like today. Genesis or totally different? It's very different from Genesis. I think Genesis is probably partially derived from this text, the, the Sefer Yitzhak, uh, which is the book of creation. It literally translates to the book of creation. So... 
it was as if someone were watching the creator actually create the first person. Doing what he did. Doing what he did, but it is not written scientifically. The bottom line to what the, the text is saying is that through language, humankind was created. And that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Explain that. If you take it literally. As I began to follow the instructions as the author created them in this text, and this, George, this is to me, this is the power of transcending the boundaries between science and spirituality. Because if, if a, a scientist only looked at the elements of life, you'd never make this discovery. If you only look at the spiritual text, you would never make this discovery. But it's by blending the two together and allowing them to tell the story. So we today, in modern science, we talk about life as as the result of elements, and we describe elements through word and through number. So we have the periodic table, for example. Hydrogen, uh, yeah. nitrogen, oxygen, carbon makes up the DNA of our bodies. Those are the words. And for every one of those words, there are a lot of numbers that may be applied. There are 17 different numeric parameters that go with each of those. So put that aside. When you go back into the ancient text and the Sefer Yitzra specifically, they did exactly the same thing. They talked about the power of the letters of very specific alphabets. Now, this make a lot of sense to modern scholars until we begin to understand that every ancient alphabet, bar none, that I have found so far, has always from day one with each letter had a number, a mysterious number associated with the letters. We don't know where the numbers came from. They never change. A they code? Are, they are, it's a unique numeric code. The study of that code is called gematria, and it was actually formalized. The laws, 32 laws of gematria, were formed in the second century. They were formalized in the second century. And the only way gematria works is, is you cannot deviate from these laws. There are specific laws that apply to the numbers. So our ancestors were also talking about life using words and numbers. So they have the letters of the alphabets and this mysterious number. We're using the periodic table. We've got a whole bunch of numbers. Right. My job was to find out which of those numbers equates to the numbers in the ancient alphabets. And if I could do that, my thinking was it would be possible to look at human DNA, carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, and different combinations of that and substitute the ancient letters for the numbers based upon this correlation. This, in retrospect, it was simple, but not knowing that it took years. It took me 12 years. And did you break it? To find what we now know is that the atomic mass of the elements, the numbers of the atomic mass, are the numbers that equate to the mysterious letters in the ancient alphabets. What that means is when you look at human DNA, or the DNA, DNA of, of any life, it is made of hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon, and using gematria, the numbers that equate to those become one, five, six, and three. Three is with the carbon. And when you then take a table, one of the ancient tables, and you're able to, to correlate those numbers with the letters, what we find, George, is that the human DNA is, is our Does genome match? is built in, in layers. And at the top layers, it's like every book has an introduction. The introduction in every cell of every form of life carbon-based DNA, the introduction is the same. And the first translation literally reads, literal, God eternal within the body. God eternal within the body. And God that is depicted in DNA is actually spelled the way that the name of God was spelled in the ancient text before it was removed 6,800 times. In the Torah, for example. The, the sacred name of God is believed to be so sacred it cannot be written in its entirety. Why put it in a code? You know, this was... Uh, so first, as a scientist, what I have to say is this. People say, why is the code there? Yeah. And I say, I don't know. All I know is that when I followed the instructions in a 3,000-year-old text and I applied it to the periodic table, this, there is what, it was. this is what we have. Yeah. Next question, is it a coincidence? 
So there are no coincidences. Well, I have a statistician ran the numbers for me, and the odds of this happening by chance are 1 to 234,256. Yeah. 234,256 to 1 are the odds, or 0.00041%. Right. Those are the odds that it's uh, it's just uh, just random. Just random. Now, those aren't astronomical odds. I I thought it might be like 1 to a bajillion, you know. But when you take into account, not, not only is the language there, but when you take into account what the words say, that those words actually have meaning, God eternal within the Bible. And they all say that. The, the first letter in all human DNA, if, if you can look at the what's called the, the genetic code, CTAG, uh, every one of those is made up of combinations of carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen. Right. And they they are arranged, I don't want to be really technical when I talk about this, but they're, they're arranged uh, different numbers of carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen atoms. So within each of the DNA bases that make our DNA as it is, there are different combinations of CTAG that break down to different combinations of God eternal within the body. And the God within ourselves, within our DNA, is literally the, the same spelling uh, of the, the God that was taken from those texts. Now, here's the beauty. I just have to say this. Right. My first fear was I found it in the Hebrew language. And I said, does that mean... Could it actually be divisive if it only is found in one language? And when the research went to its fruition, what we found is it is in Hebrew and Aramaic and Sanskrit, three of the root languages. The same thing. Exactly the same thing. So in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Sanskrit, the the code for those letters translates precisely the same in the human DNA. That's the first layer. Thanks to this tip, my house now is... Our movement is about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim control over our government. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. 
You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media, the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you, it's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie, lie, lie. And then again, they will do worse than that. They will do whatever is necessary. The Clintons are criminals, remember that. This is well documented. And the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family, instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks. Who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much, and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement and we will take back this country for you and we will make America great again. Then when they start messing with them, no other choice but to step up.
one that gave us freedom. He did it by his bloody shepherd, you and me, and he hung and angels loving it. The covenant with Jesus keeps on getting even sweeter. I love to pledge allegiance to the one that gave us freedom. He did it by his bloody shepherd, you and me, and he hung on that rugged cross for us all that his will just be done. His fingerprints, they be stitched in our fabric. No escaping this. If you want it, you can have it. The wages of sin is death when you cash in. Turn away and repent. The next, it is baptism. In the name of Jesus to X out your past sins. Watch the Holy Ghost fall like it did in Acts 10. After starting all things that we do, Master taught us be great, take a broom. After all that we gain, when we lose, now imagine all in this name we can do. Pull down strongholds, put your foot down, it goes. It don't bother me, I know that God with me, and I don't look down at the flow. No, after starting all things that we do, Master taught us be great, take a broom. Freedom. He did it by his bloody shepherd, you and me, and 